BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to this week's episode of Last Words presented by The Pit. I'm one of your co-hosts, Doc Coyle, guitarist from Bad Wolves and host of the X-Man podcast. I'm Katie Urizari of Season and Miss, Loudwire, and Outburn Magazine. I'm Zina Koda of Hell and Everything's Political Podcast. And our guest this week is Chase Mason, the vocalist from the band Gate Creeper. Welcome to the show, Chase. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Right on. Well, you guys just put out a record entitled An Unexpected Reality. We talked about this, I want to say, last week or two weeks ago. Like three weeks ago. (laughs) Was it it that long ago? Yeah, or something like that. Well, you know, one of the things we talked about with this record was just the challenges of putting out a record during a pandemic. So what has that process been like? Why put a record out now? Why not wait six months? The record, it was recorded, written and recorded during during the pandemic. And it kind of was a result of the pandemic. We had kicked around the idea to do a, a record that was, as far as the music, stylistically a little bit different than than what we were doing. We had a whole year of plan, of, of touring ahead of us, so... We didn't think we were going to have time to do it. Um, so once all the touring got canceled, we were just like, let's let's make it happen now. If anything, the pandemic made it easier for us to uh, at least get it done. Me being in a band and thinking about the idea of putting out a record but not being able to tour on it is a little bit scary. Are you worried that it won't get the kind of attention? Or is it a thing where maybe there's less records out now because bands are avoiding that so maybe you get a little more coverage or attention i think a little bit of both i mean the whole thing just the way that we went about every every aspect of it we did things a little bit differently just trying trying some new stuff out you know like for the songs um you know it's split up the basically the the fast side of the record and the slow side of the record which is was different for us and then um the way that we released it being a surprise you know like without having the, the big long rollout you know we were risking you know not being able to get as much of hype going for it or you know you miss the, the pre-release uh, album cycle or you know like cutting short your window that you have for first week sales for your numbers or whatever it is you know on the other side like you said there's not a, a whole lot of bands putting out records right now and especially even in normal times at the beginning of the year it's still kind of a little bit slow but i think that it, it worked out really great because we kind of the plan was to try to use to our advantage the 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 kind of reality that we live in that uh that we found ourselves in where everybody's just constantly barraged by all kinds of different things. And we're all on our phones all the time. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's harder to hold people's attentions because everyone's just like every day, there's something new happening in the, something crazy happening in the world, you know, over the past year. So we kind of banked on just like putting all of that hype or excitement into just like one consolidated or, or concentrated day or, or week, you know, we just, 
the day before we said, Hey, this is coming out. And I think it, it worked out because people, we, we didn't have to hold people's attention for too long. Do you think that, you know, because of the situation and the way that people are supporting bands right now that you guys have done more merch sales based off of that, or have had a spike in those revenues leading up to our record, we didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Um, and we purposely kind of stayed quiet again, cause we were doing it as a surprise. We didn't tell anybody we were going into the studio. We didn't tell people we were working on anything. So as far as our social media and how we would usually reach our fans, they didn't know what was going on. You know, we just kind of went dark, but that was on purpose. So we didn't have a whole lot of sales. We didn't do a live stream or, um, you know, at the very beginning, because we, we were supposed to leave on the, the decibel magazine tour on in March and it got canceled two days before it was supposed to start. Unfortunately, we had all of our merch printed for the tour. So we had to sell all that online. So we did a bunch of that, but we didn't do a lot of the stuff that kind of the filler things, you know, like releasing new merch or do a live stream in between. But definitely once the record came out and we released the new merch with it, it definitely, you know, it's, it did really well. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of the stuff that you guys have is really like interesting too. Like you don't use like your standard black on white designs constantly. Like you do kind of mix it up a bit because merch I feel is more important than ever because it's just like a really solid way to get your direct revenue versus like waiting for your stream, your stream two cents to come in or like yeah. selling, you know, direct records or vinyl, which we talked about recently. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you approach that? Like, do you have a designer you work with? I'm just curious. It, the, the merch is really important to our band and, and to me in particular because like you, you guys know how it is, you know, like when we're doing a support tour or whatever, you know, we're making more money selling merch than we are for playing the show. So I, I understand the importance of, you know, in our world of, of having cool merch and having stuff that people want to buy. I try to not go overboard with it, but rather just make it, you know, I guess quality over quantity. You know, I, some might say we have more quantity than we need, but um, it's definitely a huge emphasis on, you know, or a high threshold for, for things that we put our name on, you know, and that's actually something that I really enjoy. Um, and I've kind of taken that burden on myself of, I guess, like curating all of the, the merch. So, um, you know, it's something that I like. One of the aspects of playing in a band is, is working with other artists, you know, like in this case, visual artists. So like, I'm always trying to find new people to do, to illustrate shirt designs for us or whatever it is like, you know, following new artists on Instagram, wherever I found them and just reaching out to our artists who I like or appreciate and say, Hey, do you want to like, it's basically like doing a collaboration. Like, Hey, do you want to work on something with me for my band? So that's actually something that I really enjoy doing. So it translates in our merch that I like care about it a lot, I guess. So you're telling anybody who wants to do a collab with you to, uh, to tag their designs. Yeah. Get put on. Yeah. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) I think that's great though, because you know, everyone's kind of in the same boat right now. Like, looking for what they could do where there's so many opportunities limited to them. So this is a way for not only you and the bands make money, but this is an opportunity for other artists and creators out there to also get themselves out there and make a little cash as well. So it's also just a really cool way to kind of try to sustain yourselves while giving an opportunity to others to do the same, which, you know, that's, that's important right now. We need that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to have a good scene or, like just whatever our world is underground music extreme music there's a lot of different players in it and there's don't necessarily always mean that the musicians you know there's people that need to make 
to to make podcasts. There's people that need to write for magazines or to edit magazines. There's people that need to and do uh, the visual art of it, which I think is something that's super important, especially in our society and how we are. Like everything's very visual. Like you like I said earlier, you're scrolling on your phone. So even for like album art, that's something that's really important. I think that maybe some bands or or advice that I have for for younger bands is to like pay attention to everything. I mean, yeah, your music is the most important part and and write good songs and you know, make good records, but then you have to like follow through and create the whole package, I guess. Yes. Brand matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Get some scene cred. Go buy a gate creeper long sleeve. People will give you respect in the streets. But <laughs> we have something else to talk about. There's a civil war going on in the heavy metal scene. All right. Are you team clean singing? Are you old school? Or are you team dirty singing screaming heavy what's going on guys what do you how do we feel where are we at i like the term civil war (laughs) (laughs) that was extreme brah there's a blog called no clean singing all right it's real in the streets no but then they do actually cover bands that do in fact do clean singing liars chase what are your thoughts on the big dilemma clean versus not so clean vocals obviously i don't do clean singing in my band. Um, I couldn't if I wanted to. Maybe that's why I don't. So I wouldn't say that I take either side. I think that they both um, are just as cool. But I, my opinion on that is that I think that you should keep them separate. You know, I call them the good, good cop, bad cop vocals. <laughs> but I think that they should be separate. You know, so like if it was a band, just do clean singing. And if you're not going to do clean singing, just do whatever you want to call it. Screaming, uh, growling dirty singing, heavy, heavy vocals. But that's, that's my stance on it is that um, separate, but equal. Yeah. I feel that way in certain terms. Um, I think there's some bands who really do the good cop, bad cop thing really well. Um, One that comes to mind in particular would be Opeth. And I think what's even more impressive is that the one lone vocalist is doing both. It's not like a two man type deal where one sings and one does the screaming vocals. So yeah. in certain aspects, I think it works really well, but then there's definitely other bands out there where it's like, Ooh, yeah, this just killed the vibe. Um, for instance, what actually comes to mind is Lacuna Coil. Cause I feel like <laughs> it's like, all right, what are we doing with this hype man here? He's adding <laughs> other bands. It's not the early like two thousands anymore. Like let's just get a hundred percent of the vocal duties. Give that guy something else to do i don't know but like well like what are we doing here this is not working out for me come get your mans <laughs> no i i actually didn't even think about the topic that way but um i don't know i it's hard to separate the two because you're right some people do do it well and i think opeth is an amazing example but then when i hear michael michael mikel i can never say it correctly man mean european names i'm not, I'm not made for europeans yeah um when i hear it when I hear his clean vocal, it's just like, this man has a beautiful voice, right? Like, and it almost to me is even stronger than the growl. So I'd rather just hear the clean. To me, it's like, yo, those death metal vocals are not easy to produce from a body. And to not blow out your voice after doing it on a tour night after night after night, like there's respect in that. Like if you've ever watched Melissa Cross's um, vocal video, it's just like incredible to see the, the tools she gives people to like actually produce that. Like that's just incredible to me. But like, I don't know. I'd rather hear a melody. So it works for me better to have like a singing vocal just because I'm like a slave to the melody. You know what I mean? See, I have 
This is one of the topics I have some of the strongest opinions on. Okay, first off, let's get something out of the way, all right? No such thing as clean singing and dirty singing. There's singing. We know what singing is, and then there's <laughs> screaming or growling, all right? Mm. The default for metal is not screaming. So you can't, metal started with Judas Priest and Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden. So don't be telling me that now that we have to define singing as screaming, because it's not. There's singing and there's screaming. That's the first thing. Second thing, of course it belongs together. Fear Factory, Dimmu Borgir, Slipknot, Kill Switch Engage, Poison the Well, Vision of Disorder. I could name 5,000 bands that mix singing and screaming. It's just, is it good? Do you, yeah. do, one, do, you do it well? If you're bad at singing, then don't do it. If you're bad at screaming, don't do that. So I don't think it's really neither here nor there. I think it becomes kind of like a posturing credibility virtue signal of like, I'm, I'm into this and it becomes about siphoning off and saying, well, I'm into this kind of thing. I don't like this kind of thing. And I think it creates more division and like, uh, instead of unity, it's like, well, I don't like those kind of bands. Cause like I said, before the term good cop, bad cop invented, was invented, Fear Factory existed. Was that good cop, bad cop? No, it was just a cool band that was versatile. I don't disagree with you. You know, I wouldn't do both in in my own band. And, you know, I used to play, I played bass um, in a band, Spirit of Drift, for, for quite a while. And there was, it's totally clean singing. So, you know, I've, I've played in both both type of bands. I think it's kind of an immature thing, but like the, the term like sellout, you know? So I think that some bands that, say that they're a death metal band or whatever, and they only have growling vocals. And then you incorporate the singing parts, like say you have the choruses, or even if it's on a record, only a couple songs, you know, they bust out the singing for a chorus. I think it automatically, automatically gets labeled as like, Oh, they're, they're trying to be more accessible or they're, they're selling out. I don't, I don't think that selling out is a real thing. I do think that it is more accessible and then there, that is valid. And there's a place in the world for that, because I know when I was getting into heavier music, I did like the bands that had good cop, bad cop vocals, because it was a good like entry point for me. It was a mix of both the things. So it was like a good gateway for me to get into the heavier stuff. So I, I, I understand the, uh, the appeal of it. And I do think that it's um, a valid style, but I just, I personally wouldn't do it in my band. I, I, you know, it's interesting because uh, I think you bring up a good point where people tend to get particularly upset, not in general. I don't think there's necessarily a, a very strong stance of I prefer this or that, but I think they really get upset when a band that's traditionally death metal doing death metal vocals suddenly just starts doing clean vocals. And even if it's to a very small degree where it's just like an accent or once in a while in a song, or they totally flip it like Gojira did, you know, something like that. Um, people, that's when I, I see the most backlash and the most anger about this topic. It's just, it's the idea of change, which I think in general kind of applies to the genre as whole. When you see a band that suddenly undergoes a drastic change, people are either totally with it or totally against it. And sometimes it works great, you know, for a band like Carcass, for instance, or Death. But there's other times where it totally falls flat, like Suicide Silence, you know, they went like this total deftones type of vibe and that i think received a lot that's probably in my recollection the most backlash i've seen over a band changing sound and vocals like that but it's such an asinine immature i agree that it's kind of immature and like short-sighted because think about it if you're in a band for like 20 years right you're you're gonna get bored of doing the exact same thing over and over again and you want to flex some of your musical ability in a different way and like 
there can be heavier vocals that are, are screams. I don't want to offend Doc. <laughs> um, that have the complementary musical groove and melody that make it fit in the right pocket. You know what I mean? So I do think it's like good or bad. Like does your sound as a vocalist work for your band and are you complimenting each other in the right way? You know what I mean? So I want, I want to kind of make a point off, off that about kind of the skill set. Like I actually think what's happening in, in the modern times is that you kind you need more skills to be considered great. And the same thing's happening in hip hop, right? Like where it's very rare now that a new rapper comes out that only raps and doesn't sing. And I feel like- Thank you, Drake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, or Kanye to a certain degree. I think in metal, it's like that too, where if you're a vocalist that can only do one thing, I think sometimes, like for example, I'm going through right now, we're looking for a vocalist for my band and we need someone that can do a broad versatility of skills. And there's just not many of those people out there. You know, so I think one, it's we got to kind of give those people credit, a lot of credit that can do like Bjorn from, you know, soil work or something. Now that guy can do or Chuck Billy, you know, from Testament, how he can he was a singer who started screaming and then created this kind of cool thing. And then, you know, there's a few bands I have to I have to bring up that started death metal, just straight up death metal, who went completely the other way. Paradise Lost, mm. Amorphous, mm. Catatonia and Dark Tranquility all started death metal and then at one point put out records that were like goth rock it's and europe man yeah, it's, yeah the other, so, so that's what i'm saying there, there is something about the cultures that those fans and those cultures allow have allowed those bands to evolve and some bands go back right so catatonio's go, going back to being heavier dark tranquility kind of dropped the clean vocals you know a few records back and they're kind of mix it up so i think you know i agree with you about we have to let these bands evolve and not get be bored and be artists. Tangential to the idea about clean singing. See, I'm breaking my own faux pas. Singing versus screaming. How do we all feel about lyrics? I mean, I'm not a big lyric person and I and I don't think that's a good thing. Like I wish I was more invested in lyrics. Do we care if we have a super screamy heavy band but we have to kind of do that lean in like what huh, what how What'd you say? I mean, how do we feel about that? I'm I'm with you. Like I I don't really care about lyrics, which which is funny because I'm the singer of the band. But um, noted. Even for bands that I like, you know, like say it's for, we'll use death metal for example, or you know, particular things that don't have clean singing, where it's a little bit harder to, you know, just at face value know what they're saying. There's a lot of my favorite death metal records that I don't know what the lyrics are. I mean, I've listened to them hundreds of times, but I'm not really one to to go and search that out like i don't really care like for me it's more about the sound of it and the vocal patterns you know like and you know i take my own experience as being like you know the vocals of a band where it's almost more used as like a percussive instrument rather than a, a melodic instrument and lean more on writing songs with the guitars are the ones that are, are the melodic ones rather than the singing um but yeah i'm not really a I'm not a lyrics guy myself. Oh my God, this is sacrilegious to me. <laughs> as a singer and a songwriter, this is crazy. Like to me, if the lyrics are whack or you just have the corniest rhymes, like I can't listen to it. Maybe it's different though. I will say this for screaming. 
for a screaming vocalist, it matters a little bit less. But like, for me, it's everything. Like I'm that kid that when I was like, you know, 12, 13, I would go to the liner notes and go line by line. Maybe I'm so emo and poetic. I love that shit. And to me, it doesn't, I, it will completely ruin it for me if a band is not thoughtful about the way that the vocalist puts together the lyrics, or I will love it even more if the lyrics are super clever and I can connect with them. Like it's a make or break for me, for sure. Well, I mean, that's not to say that I don't care about my own lyrics as in, I don't take time to write cool lyrics and make sure that the lyrics are, are, are not whack, like you said, but even I guess more so in other songs or that I'm listening to, it's not something that I seek out. And even for our first record, I didn't even print the lyrics in the record because I was just like, I don't want that to be the focal point. I want it to be about the riffs. Like on the topic of lyrics, I do understand that a lot of people are like you where they do really care about it. And so I changed and I started printing them in the, in the, the records because people would ask me about it. And I, and I understood that me not doing that, it was kind of alienating a lot of people like you who really care about it and they want to find that. And that's how they relate to bands or that's how they like get to know like the songs on a personal level. So I changed my tune a little bit on that and started printing them and maybe because people, I was sick of people asking me or also because I, I wanted to give people what they wanted. If that, even though that's not what I want. Your poetry, man, <laughs> give it to the people, let them have it. What about you, Katie? I'm completely with you, Zeno, where I'm just like, that is like, like sacrilegious to me. Not even just for me as someone who's just always loved, writing and reading um you know i'm the i'm the type of person like in high school it's like bring in a poem and i'm like this is called the sound of perseverance by chuck schuldner like lyrics to me are so important but also they're not like to me i'm going to connect with the band on a deeper level if i'm connecting with the lyrics if i like bands like nevermore bands like death um a band i work with now goodia where they're philosophical and they're deep and they're nihilistic but they're also hopeful or you know, something that I could really relate to and something that's just well-written in a way that I just, you know, it just, I enjoy. Um, but on the other hand, there's bands that I've never heard a lyric from. I just like the music that much and I'm fine with it. Like, you know, it's just ignorant death metal and I'm fine with being ignorant listening to it. You know, um, I know there's really not too many bands out there where their lyrics are special or like are, I know there's not like too many bands out there where their lyrics really are on that level, at least one that I could connect to. But when I do find a band like that, they become all the more special, like Alice in Chains, like mm-hmm. the Tool. Like these are bands that are up there for me, not just because their music is great, but they have that extra element. And that's what could separate them from another band, like say like Black Sabbath. Love that band, but really wasn't until Dio came into the band that the lyrics really started <laughs> kind of evolving, you know? And everyone already knows my Ozzy Dio and if you don't, you could look back on other episodes and hear my own sacrilegious views. Um, but yeah, so I lyrics are in some ways a big deal to me. And in other ways, just bands I've been listening to for years. I don't know a goddamn word they've ever said. Well, I, I was overstating it a little bit. I didn't say like I'll give an example, like a band like the Deftones. Right. I don't really know what their songs are about. I might have to look. I might have to go into the actual lyrics to see what he's talking about. But I'm sure when I read the lyrics, I'm like, oh, those are really cool lyrics. But what draws me in is not necessarily what it's about, but the melodies. But historically, I can go through, especially when I was a teenager, you know, I could sing you with word for word every song on Metallica Black Album, every song on Megadeth Countdown to Extinction, every song of the first Pearl Jam record, because they did mean something to me. Or even stuff like 
Incubus Records or Jimmy World, where I think you're when you're going through a formative time when you're young and you connecting to music is something really cathartic and something you have to get through. And as a songwriter myself as well, I I know for a fact that that is the way you connect to most normal people connect to music through lyrics and vocals and themes and connection and stories. And so as a songwriter, if you want to write a song like Metallica or Pearl Jam that becomes this world-changing song, it has to be something meaningful. It has to be something that can kind of transcend all that. So I, I, I don't want to undersell that. It, it doesn't mean anything to me, but oftentimes I can just enjoy a song where the melody is what grabs me first and then the lyrics kind of are secondary. So just want to put that out there. Just to respond to what, what you said, Chase, it's funny when you when I hear about the rhythm thing, I totally think about how Meshuggah, how Jens Kidman's vocals evolved over the years where it, it became I, it's much harder for me to hear his lyrics, whereas from the earlier records, I know all the words because of just the way it was. But then I think about bands like Hatebreed where it's he's a heavy vocalist, but it's all about the lyrics. It's all about, I'm inspiring you with this thing and it's a anthem. And so I think if you have a heavy vocalist who screams, but it's clear and the lyrics are important, it really helps the band expand and reach wider audiences. Jamie's a rapper, man. <laughs> <laughs> he is a lyricist. He really is. But no, that's that's such a good point, Doc, because like, honestly, like Hapri does stand out to me as one of those bands because like, I listen to those lyrics as similar as they may be. Like, it matters what he's saying. You're like, you know what? Now is the time I'm going to change my life. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I am going to inject some perseverance into my daily routine. Can I just say as a kid, like when I was like, you know, an angsty teen, like 13, 14, 15 years old, I would like lyrics were so important to me that I would scribble them on my walls and they were absolutely like hate breed lyrics, corn lyrics, slipknot lyrics, like just like some of inspiration. The inspirational ones mostly came from hate breed. I will say that. Lincoln Park lyrics. So yeah. And even now, kind of as an adult, uh, I have lyrics tattooed to myself. So yeah, I would say they're kind of important to me in some ways. But uh, and also just kind of to say one more thing about the vocals. When it comes to death metal vocals, I can appreciate when the vocalist can articulate well enough that I don't even have to look the lyrics up. I can actually understand them. So That's lost, a skill. That's a skill. Lost, it's a, no, it's a lost art. I don't think... I think that's also a production thing where the, you know, the producer needs to make sure that what you're saying, because especially if it's a more commercial type band, you shouldn't have to go into the lyric sheet. You should be able to hear what they're saying, I think. Yeah. So we're going to get into albums this week. I'm pretty excited for this one that we're about to talk about right now. One of my favorites. It is from Accept. It is called Too Mean to Die. First of all, I feel like I have a little bit of a bias towards this band. There's some bands out there that once I see them live, I'm like a believer. Like you see them live, they're stripped down, not a lot of production, but they're incredible. They just come out there, they kick ass, they take no prisoners, take no breaks. I mean, that is Accept. So I already kind of had like a bias going in because I just love this band. And it didn't disappoint. It was a fun record. It was old school. You know, it sounds like Accept. It wasn't too frilly. There's nothing that can't really be said about this that hasn't already been said about Accept or like the Nawabum kind of genre, especially now as it's evolved and become a little bit more contemporary. But I dug it. It was a fun album. They're a fun band. And no matter who is singing, they are freaking great. Who is singing? Mark Tornillo, another New Jerseyan. Oh my God. Oh snap. Yeah. What's up, Mark? 
I don't know if this would be something that I would have picked up and actually like listened to on my own. Um, but I gotta say out of the, the suite of albums we're gonna talk about, I, it was my favorite. And I'll tell you why, because it was feel good. I, I could imagine seeing them play this record live, which like the production was really good on it too. I gotta say, that was the other thing you talked about production before. Like if you don't have good production, it's hard for a fan to actually envision it coming to life. Right. Mm -hmm. And it like, it kind of hyped me up to go back to shows, right? And doing it, like had some ACDC vibes at times. And I gotta say my favorite part, there was a song Overnight Sensation that had a Kim Kardashian reference that I, I literally cracked up for like 20 minutes just thinking about that. Like just thinking of the juxtaposition of those two different references, I was like, oh my God. Um, but it was good. It was definitely a ripper. The guitar solos were amazing too. Like it was, it was just a really good album. I feel I have like mixed feelings about it because like you said, I think it sounds awesome. I know Andy Sneap was producing some of the records. I don't know mm -hmm. if he still is because he's doing the Judas Priest thing. But yeah, it sounds amazing. The playing is incredible. Um, I think where I have a difficulty with it is just there's there's probably not one original idea on there musically. It's, it's very retread kind of ground for heavy metal. But then I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know what? I'm overthinking it. This record, it's not supposed to in reinvent the wheel. It's kind of supposed to go these places and to kind of reiterate what you guys are saying, it, you want to see this live. That's what this is. these songs are kind of built for. And I, and I, like I said, I haven't listened to it except probably since Balls to the Wall. So I don't know their entire catalog or how they've evolved. So yeah, it had that kind of su super metal version of ACDC. But I'd say if I was going to go through, for something like this, I'd probably rather listen to another New Jersey band, Overkill. But I do think this was very solid. And yeah, those the guitar solos are off the chain. What do you think, Chase? I haven't heard it. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? That's fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard except uh like like you said, Boss Wall or what's that record? Uh, Metal Heart. Yeah. Um. So here's what I say: you do you go Google a picture of the band. And then give us your review just based on what they look like. <laughs> are, are we going off the uh, the uh, what they look like now? Any era of accept would inspire a great deal of opinions, I believe. <laughs> it's dad COVID. All right, let's see. Right it, now. Let's see what the let's see what the, I pull up. All right, we got They're mostly German, and then there's a guy from New Jersey. So yeah, sounds about right. Well, my favorite thing is like Udo. Look, you got a weird goatee in like 1979. All right, that's what like, which is wonderful. What you Looking at the here? picture, first thing that stands out is the guy's goatee for sure. <laughs> um, New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I already know what they sound like unless they've changed their sound. No, they look, haven't. Which is then, pretty, I love that. Don't change. Then this picture, I, I could even without hearing them, I probably could tell you what they sounded like by just looking at this. They sound <laughs> epic. <laughs> is there consensus that the album rips just off of a <laughs> yeah i mean i probably i haven't listened to it yet and i probably never will but i'm sure it's, it's cool. <laughs> so just, the fan photo didn't inspire you to at least check the album out i feel like that says enough right that says yeah. that says what you're trying to say so we got the body i've seen all i need to see and i've heard all i need to hear um <laughs> <laughs> this was awful and i love listen i'm a girl who went to goth clubs qxts newark in jersey growing up Wumscut, skinny puppy you name it you know i'm a goth hoe inside but like 
I don't get this. And I've heard some of their older stuff and it's it's kind of noisy and weird and 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 like has some cool electronic elements in it and that's okay, but this album was just awful. Like that filter that's basically an Instagram filter on every single song there. Like it just killed it for me. It wasn't good to me at all and it, it I'm just like, wow. They spent money recording this. It Did they know? Yeah. <laughs> maybe about 200 but like honestly it was it was money wasted no matter. Everyone's how. got a laptop, all right? So yeah. I mean- I wouldn't guarantee they spent money on this. Face, you love it or what? <laughs> uh, I mean, these guys are friends of mine. Sorry. Um, no, I mean, Chip and Lee, uh, they're very prolific. I think, I guess just because I know them. And I, I'm not even like a, a super fan uh, of their music. And we have a good relationship of, you know, we, you know, I book shows for them when they're here. We, uh, me and the the body and full of hell once uh, went swimming in Max Cavalera's pool together. Um, That's kind of cool. But I, I know that they, I mean, they really crank out albums and it's, I know because I know them personally and it's something that I really respect is that they are always experimenting. Um, and, you know, like, I think that puts it out in a little bit too like artsy for me or, you know, too noisy for me, but I do appreciate it and respect their art and their music. And I know that they, it's not um, an easy digestible thing by any means. Um, but I, and I'm obviously biased because they're my friends, but I do think that um, it's a very, maybe an acquired taste and not the most accessible probably of this whole list um, or of most records that you'd hear. But I think that, uh, you know, there's people out there that this is might be exactly what they want to hear. I'm sure there are people who want to hear this. I'm not one of them. I'm sorry. Now I feel bad, but I hated this record. And it's been very few times on the show. I try, no matter how I feel about the record, I try to listen through. Even there's been some that I listened to and didn't quite get and would give an extra spin. This was not one of those. This was one of the records where I got like three songs in. And at that point I just started skipping ahead and like, is this whole record like this? Yep, 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 I'm done. And I think Zena, you brought up a pretty good point about being like a goth girl and wanting to hear this like industrial electronic kind of stuff. But I think the difference is that the kind of stuff that I want to hear is stuff I could dance to, stuff I could vibe to. This is a vibe, but not the vibe I'm trying to go for. Like, you know, like, um, it was a little too jarring and just a little too, I, I'm not a fan in general of like this noisy, um, experimental kind of stuff. I'm really not. So this is not for me, but you know what? You're right, Chase. There's someone out there who it is for. So if you have hated most of the stuff I've talked about on the show and liked most of the stuff I didn't, you'll probably like this record. There was one good track on there. There was one. Um, it's track seven, the, the handle of the blade. It was really sinister sounding. It was kind of like the only track that didn't have an aggressive use of that filter. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty good, but then like towards the end got super weird again. And I was just like, I was off it. But if you do listen to it, check out that track. <laughs> yeah, so, so I enjoyed having this record part of the, the group because I knew I wasn't going to finish it. So I was like, thankfully, one, I don't have to listen all the way through. I was like, I, I, I listened like three in a row. And then I was like, let me skip to this one. Like, no, then another. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. I can, I can wrap this up. So I want to suggest, you know, if they do like a reissues, uh, a new title for this album, uh, music to serial kill by, <laughs> I think, you know, that's, is, yeah. you know, and also if there's any up and coming, uh, snuff film directors, I think this band would be perfect, you know, to score your film. 
I just think uh, I think that would be a good a good thing. And uh, and I'm, and just one thing, the body, you get the whole body. You know, you know what's in the body, the brain. OK, you, can't, you know, this is very ambitious. All right. Can't, you, torso. Right. You, you, don't, you don't take the whole body. That's all I'm saying. All right, guys. Just, you know, just you, so just hit some doubles. You have to go for a grand slam every time. OK. No, I'm just about the name. The name. Huh. Like, I'm like these names, any name that's like, you know, like bands like Earth or like chair. I'm just like, I must like, you don't take the whole earth. You don't take the whole earth. OK, I see how you're doing it. Definitely an SEO problem. For sure. I'm so traumatized by that one band we had that was called Skeleton that had an album out named Skeleton, and then like weren't all the songs like Skeleton One, Skeleton Two? <laughs> I don't, like I don't that. that. I'm traumatized by all of that marketing. So Tribulation has a new album entitled "Where the Gloom Become Sound," and this record I had this last year. So I got a promo of it and I liked it so much that I almost included it in my year albums and then I realized it wasn't out yet. So I had to back back away from this. But I've been a fan of Tribulation since their previous record. And I think they're really actually one of the more important bands in, in metal right now because they're one of the few bands I think that can kind of ride that line between the worlds of extreme metal and kind of stuff that has that ability to cross over. They're, I think they're brilliant composers um and that's really the strength of the band is that they th their music could almost be instrumental and i think you would it would keep you as in tune with it sometimes i feel like the vocals get a little monotonous and i almost want a little bit more out of that from time to time but i think they're really a great band and they made a great record and i'm excited to see where they go I actually just talked about this um, band last week when we were on here with Priga from nervosa that's in our full length podcast episode and I like this band a lot. I like this record a lot. I had actually kind of a deep thought listening to this record that this is like the misfits for black metal fans. Like it's got like that punk kind of vibe to it, but it's also like black metal-y and, and goth. Um, and I think there's a lot of newer bands that we're seeing come up in the past decade that are calling to bands that I think were very ahead of their time uh, like dissection in their later years and even Watain to an extent. And I think Tribulation is one of those bands that kind of take this inspiration from, I think, a genre that wasn't really appreciated when it first started emerging, or at least a chapter of black metal that had been emerging, you know, in like the late 90s, early 2000s that people kind of turned their nose up at. And there's bands now that are taking that and turning it into something really successful. We see that Wada, Cloak, um, there's Magua, there's a lot of bands doing that right now and Tribulation's one of them, but they're putting like, they're kind of like punk twi like twist to it, which makes them stand out. And I dig it. I like this band a lot. I like this record and it's a dark record, but it's also kind of a fun. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, uh, I would, I've been a fan of Tribulation for a long time. Their, their first record, the horror is like my favorite. It, it's a lot different. They've, they've definitely evolved. The horror is like a thrashy death metal record. Um, and I liked the band repugnant that uh they at least at least one of the members is was in before which was the guy that did ghost was in that band as well um and i liked the horror and then i liked their second album the um i think it's called the formulas of death um and i've kind of not paid attention after that i've checked out the records i checked out the new one um i do think that i do like the uh the cross-pollination of you know like the 
death metal, black metal, and, you know, the goth sort of stuff, like the goth rock. But I guess going with what we talked about before, and, and Doc mentioned it, I think that the vocals uh, are a little monotonous. And I think that there is now that their music has evolved so much and the vocals really haven't, I think that there's kind of this big disconnect between the, to the instrumentals and the vocals. So maybe they would be a band that maybe it would be cool if they switched it up and they went to having clean vocals. Um, we'll never know. Like it, it, it creates its own sound, the mixture of the two of them. But I think that for me, um, I've, I've kind of liked their, their newer records less and less as they, as they keep coming out. Listening to this record, Doc's Ghost Comparison last week really hit me hard because musically, it really, like to your point, Katie, too, of the, the punk infusion really like reminded me of Ghost a ton. Um, there was a piano track that was absolutely beautiful. Really good. And it made me realize just how, you're right, like the, the composing of these songs is like top notch next level. And the vocals probably are not my favorite part of this band, but I forgive it because the melodies are so prolific that you're kind of swept into it. And um, yeah, it's exciting. It's a, it was an exciting record. And like, it's definitely a record that has a mood and you listen to it at a certain time on a certain day. But um, I thought it was beautiful. That piano track really impressed me because it's just, it's rare that you can hear a band like that um, really allow that kind of skill to show through. And I like that they went out, they went out on the limb to actually include that kind of track there. Sweden, there's something in the water. I know what's going on there. So our next record is a band called Portrayal of Guilt. And the record is We Are Always Alone. I didn't know about this band before checking this out this week. And this became my sleeper favorite record of the week. I mean, Tribulation probably I liked more, but like right, right behind that was this record. First track, I, I was like, is this like some the locust weird screamo noise thing and then as by the time track two and three and i was like oh no this is like a kind of weird black metal band um that as the record went on it kind of developed some versatility there was some really cool melodies but what really sold me about this record is the singer and this is like it's funny because we were talking about you know vocals harsh vocals and clean vocals what really makes it work for me with a heavy vocalist which where I, I wasn't really getting that from the tribulation record is like when I hear someone screaming and I just believe it. It sounds like someone who's in pain and is tortured. And this vocalist just sold it for the whole record. And I liked it. This just had a lot of underground energy and vitality. And it was just, it, it held me. I thought it was a really cool record. So nice surprise. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked it too. Um, it, this is the, the same label close casket activities that we just put our record on. Um, out on so and also they're a band that I you know at least know some of the members personally so it's another one I'm a little bit biased on but um, I think it was a really cool record I really like the bass tone um, on the record I think they got a, a lot of cool sounds um, on there like uh, just even the guitar tones where it's not super distorted but it's still kind of it's like a dirty clean sound to it and then you know mixing the like screamo sort of stuff which i used to really like the like majority rule bands like that mixed with like the black metal stuff and then they even have some like industrial um i know there was a lot of kind of interludes like noise sort of stuff um but i think i think they're a cool band but this record in particular i think they got a lot of cool ideas and a lot of cool sounds um all throughout it so i think it's cool 
Yeah, I think the locust um, comparison is a good one. And also like kind of convergy at times. Um, I would say that straight up this record remind me of a hall show in New Jersey in 2009 <laughs> or 2008, right? Like, or like 1998, in my opinion. But. Well, your time, Doc. I'm sorry. I can't be on that level, you know? Old school. When, when you were going to those shows... Um, I was just a baby. I'm sorry. But no, it, it really had those kind of vibes to me. And it was kind of nostalgic for me in that sense. But I did really like the weird mix of, I don't know, just strange sounds. And like, it was kind of like a like a horror show at the end of some of a majority of the songs. So I was down for that. Um, it was cool. I don't think it's a record I would probably listen to again, but I would be interested in seeing that kind of band live because kind of like digging deeper into them and like their Instagram and like taking a look at their aesthetic. I liked I like the style of what they're doing, but it's like very much a style I like, right? Like just kind of like simplistic kind of, um, I don't know. They just, it looked like something I'd, I'd love to see live and I'd love to see how they accompany visuals to what they do as a live band. Katie, you. Well, I, you know, I, I struggled a little bit with this band. Um, on one hand, I did kind of appreciate them because this was really hard for me to pigeonhole and I can kind of just appreciate when a band kind of steps outside any type of like proverbial elements and kind of does their own thing. Um, when I looked them up, it was like identified as like hardcore, post-hardcore, which I don't really think I heard, but I don't know that I'm really familiar enough with those genres to really be able to say, yeah, this is what it sounds like. Um, there were some moments I liked. I felt there were some progressive elements to it, and that's what kind of kept it interesting for me. But I also just felt a little, I guess... I don't know, confused by it or put off by it. And I, I think, you know, hearing the bands that you guys make comparisons to, like Converge is that kind of band that I always feel like I should like and I just can't get into. The Locust, same thing. So I think this kind of, that I'm kind of glad you guys spoke first because I think, Zena, you put it into a perspective for me that kind of makes me understand what about it put me off a little. It just had the same vibe as these other bands that I think are great, but don't really like, if that makes sense. Like I could appreciate them, and I see why people like them, but I personally just, for some reason, just can't make that connection. And this was definitely one of those bands for me. Yeah, Lester Steez for sure. Okay, so I think my favorite album of the week and the biggest surprise of the week was Demon Head Viscera. I've never heard of this band before. Didn't really quite know what to expect. I saw they were signed to Metal Blade. So I think that combined with like the name and maybe like the album artwork kind of made me just think immediately that maybe this was going to be like a... Uh, death metal band a la like cattle decapitation or something along those lines i don't know totally not what i thought it was very doomy very much like catatonia fields of nephilim um paradise lost like the, these kinds of like more i guess rock leaning doomy kind of bands where they're not super like painful and agonizing but they've got a melody and a groove to them but they're still pretty like somber. Really dug this. Uh, talk about vocals. I appreciated the vocals. I wouldn't say it was anything super spectacular or powerful, but it worked extremely well with the music. This was my favorite of the week and total surprise for me because I didn't really quite know what to expect. And um, this is one of those things I actually think I will listen to again. Yeah, I thought this record was just okay. I thought musically it was pretty compelling. Uh, it... What struck me right away is it actually felt very reminiscent of European folk music. Like some of the songs I felt like Robin Hood could be like, <laughs> it had this I think very- this band of, was from like Denmark, if I'm not mistaken. had a very kind of Baroque sensibility to it a, a lot of the time, but the vocals is where it kind of lost me. I, it, it, it was unique 
but it would kind of wear on me after a while. So it, 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 it was, uh, it was just this tension between really enjoying what they were doing musically. Cause I think there were some really kind of unique ideas that they're exploring. I like some of the tones that they were working with and uh, clearly there's a lot of skill there and a style, which, which I like, you know, a really defined style, but the vocals was the one thing that was like, just kind of just really totally couldn't connect with the entire piece. I would say I had the same reaction. I did like some of the tones in the weird places they went. There was a song Arrows that had like this really interesting vocal layering, which I liked the idea, but they didn't quite land it. Um, because I think that he was a little off key at times. Like there's just certain, there's a way that his vocal presentation was just like kind of off key where sometimes it worked and I was down for it. And then other times I'm like, mm, I'm not too into it, but it was cool. I would listen to it again for sure. Like it's the kind of album again, like time and place. I would definitely want to give it another listen, but there's some cool ideas there. I'd be curious to see like what they come out with next, because I feel like they're still, it sounds like they're still kind of finding exactly that niche for them. What about you, Chase? This is a, this was another one that I haven't heard. And I think it's because I have, I have an issue where I always confuse one band for another, you know, like whether they have like maybe a similar name or maybe the album art is sort of the same where it's like, Oh, I heard this band before. I didn't really like it or whatever it is, but the way that you guys are describing it, it sounds pretty cool. Um, and I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably check it out just based on uh, what you said, but it's not something that at face value, I probably would have gone out of my way to check out, but I love um, that we're selling you yeah, blindly on everything right now, but I, I couldn't tell from what you guys said, is there clean singing or is it both or clean. what what's it's all, going on? It's, it's all, it's all clean. Singing, it's clean. singing. Yep. It's, it's real singing. Clean. By the way, okay. if they don't have t-shirts that say we're not diamond head, then <laughs> I don't know why they're not paying me to come up with t-shirt ideas. You jounced them, Doc. You got the you got the plug right now. <laughs> that that might have been who I thought it who I thought it was. And I was like, oh, we got because we got accept another old band. They got a new record. Mm-hmm. I'm not really interested. Maybe it's a new diamond head record, but um, <laughs> I'll check it out. A lot of diamond bands, a lot of demon bands, a lot of head bands. I mean, it's a lot of confusion. It's okay. Skulls, yeah. uh, the color black. What else? What else? Yeah. There's just so many of these common words. So I like Gate Creeper because that is not common for any of these band names. Like you don't, you know, like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a band called Gatekeeper, but um, I mean, people people call us that anyway. So we need more variety in these metal metal band names. That's what we need. One of my favorite things actually was when you guys were on the cover last year I believe it was last year of Decibel and the letter from the editor was uh the Decibel editor Albert and he was saying how they had like written a review or something about your band I feel like they like trashed you or something and and they misspelled it as gate creeper and you sent them an email and were like hey like you totally misspelled this and and something about that kind of turned like the tables right am i getting this right yeah, yeah. well it, it wasn't a bad review so like it i've been a, a fan of, okay. i've been a, i've been a, a fan of uh decibel for a long time like I've, I've had a subscription probably since like 2008 so before the band even started so when it when it you know we started the band and how it happened was they wrote an article it was about power violence and they were talking about a band from arizona and then they mentioned us and but they called us gatekeeper that was it. So I was, I was like, this is my chance, you know, like I'm going to write a letter and say, Hey, you spelt our name wrong. And that started my relationship with Albert and me being kind of a punisher and, and telling him that he, he spelt our name wrong. You sunned but, him basically. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, it's funny because sometimes I read these things and I just don't remember it, but that was one of the things that I read like in that particular issue or any really particular letter to the editor. It was one that stands out in my head. And every time I see this band now, that's what I think of. I just think of that yeah. particular exchange. Yeah. It's a pretty common thing. So I'm, I'm used to it now. It always, even if people, if they spell our name as two words, that annoys me too. Yeah. But I definitely had to, I, I definitely punished Albert several times, whether it was with the correction and then they have it, they have an article or a, a column. I don't know if they do it every month now, but it's for vinyl only releases that you can send it in. So like I gradually made my, clawed my way into the magazine by like sending them our records and getting it reviewed in there. And so I think it was a funny, uh, a funny story and a funny transition because you know we made it to the cover but it started me being uh, annoying that's yeah. the hustle man <laughs> i love that story yeah exactly that's what it is it's the hustle and it's like i feel like it's that story that every band like every newer band that's starting out that doesn't have that kind of support like wishes they had that story like wishes they were the band that wrote a letter to the editor of decibel and then eventually got a cover like you know i, yeah. I just love that story i think it's so unique and such like a feel good, funny kind of tale. Yeah, I think it's funny too. The lesson is it could be you just punish yeah. Albert at Decibel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll use email address. <laughs> you gotta get in how you it's in the issue. Isn't it still in the issue? I don't know. I haven't sure like, it is. Yeah, I'm sure it, it is. has yeah. to be. Well, thanks to all of you for checking out this episode of Last Words. Chase, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me, um, unfortunately, not on stage anytime soon, but um, on social media. Instagram, Twitter, and all that's hella hammer. We, for Gay Creeper, we are going to be doing a live stream. So you'll be able to uh, to watch us from the comfort of your own couch or wherever it may be. Right on. Thank you for being on the show. And all you people go check out Gay Creeper stuff. Katie, where can people find you? Twitter and Instagram at Merciful Kate. And Zena? Uh, you can find me at the bar. No, I'm uh, You can find me at Zenacota, two E's. Don't play me um, everywhere. Holler at me. You can find me albert.mundrian at flag me. Send him 20 emails. Doc, what about you? Where can people find you, Doc? And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Doc Coyle. And if you want to follow this show, Last Words, you can follow us on all platforms at We Are The Pit. And if you actually want to see our faces, you want to see all my cute t-shirts, you want to see all the ladies and how amazing they are and their eyebrows and all the stuff that they're talking about, come over to the YouTube, leave a comment. It's on the pit. We'll see you there. We're here every Thursday talking heavy metal. <laughs>